All right. I want to say welcome to everybody out there that's joined us tonight. Uh, hey, that little uh, W5KUB Squares that we played at the beginning, uh, that's something uh, one of our friends uh, put on uh, YouTube here this past year, uh, Chris, AA4 Charlie Baker, uh, put that together, and I thought it was kind of neat. So we uh, we thought we'd just run it tonight on the opening of the show. If you're out there listening on the International Shortwave, you have joined Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio, and uh, we talk about just all different aspects of ham radio, and uh, and uh, we invite you, and we especially invite shortwave listeners. Many of us started uh, in the old days being shortwave listeners, and that was the fun old days, I can tell you uh, for sure. Uh, we had a We had a really good time doing that. And that, that part of the hobby is not dead yet. If you will, do me a favor out there. <clears throat> if you uh, are, are only uh, watching on video, please hit that subscribe button uh, right there. And it will help us to uh, promote the channel. YouTube will help uh, promote our channel uh, where other people can find it when they're searching for shortwave or radio. or that. So uh, please hit that subscribe button there. We'd like to invite you to join our Facebook group. Uh, our Facebook group is growing pretty fast. We have about 13,000 hams in our Facebook group now. And uh, it's just called, um, just uh, search for W5KUB, W5KUB, and you will find the Facebook group, and we'll be glad to uh, uh, approve you once you hit join. Uh, so uh, we'd love to have you. It's a great ham radio uh, group. You know, 13,000 right now, we could have had 20,000 this month, but we uh, we uh, do not approve probably about 100 people per day. We, we get several hundred people per day uh, asking to join uh, W5KUB, and we usually deny them. We have a set of questions up front. Are you a ham radio operator? It's not necessary. What are your interests? And we're getting a lot of foreign stuff that uh, we can tell. We can tell that uh, they're really not interested in ham radio, but uh, they're, uh, I, I don't know. So we're not approving those. Uh, so, we're, so we're trying to, to uh, screen in. Yeah, they're really only joining so they can talk to you about your extended warranty. Uh, that's true. That's true. Probably the, um, the the call center. I think most of these people are coming to us from the call center there in India, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, let's see. Bill just joined us. Uh, we'll talk with Bill here in just a moment. Um, let's see. What else we got going on tonight? Um, so, uh, hey, tonight we're going to talk about unusual antennas. And uh, so, Bill and, and, and Glenn... You need to be thinking about some unusual antennas you've used there. And uh, we've got some on Facebook that were submitted to us. Some of them are kind of pretty neat. Some of them are uh, kind of funny. Uh, and some of them are kind of practical. I kind of think I would like to try some of them uh, out. So we're going to be talking about that in a little while. Also, uh, I, I saw a, a video, and I've talked to uh, uh, Mike Hanna, uh, W9XAX. He built a neat little clean, beautiful-looking little nine-to-one-un-un, and um, he actually put it in. Um, he poured liquid glass in there, and it it dried uh, clear. You know, I guess it's like plexiglass, 
And uh, I've got a little video on that tonight. We're going to show uh, show his uh, construction of it and how he put it in a little thing. And he put the epoxy or whatever it is around it and uh, how it worked out for him. Real easy to build, and it's, uh, it's just a nice little project. So we'll be talking uh, about that tonight. Uh, so, uh, hey, just for our... our uh, uh, just for our uh, viewers out there, uh, I want to see, I want to see who can answer this question on our viewers. Now, Glenn and Bill, you probably will know it. I don't know how old you have to be to know the answer to this, but not too old. But I think it's a classic. So this was this was uh, seen going into uh, Ukraine this week right here. Now, I just wonder if anybody in the chat room knows what that vehicle is called. What's the designator of that vehicle right there? So that's going to be the first question. Does anybody know the designator of that vehicle? So I'm going to take it back off the screen here. You don't get to looks look like at it. looks like the Oscar Mayer Wiener Dog vehicle. Well, it's, it, yeah, but it looks like it kind of, but that's not it. This has a more. I was going to say the 60s family truckster. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys know what it. You know, I don't know if you're just guessing there or you don't know. You really do know the answer to that question. Let's I see. Actually okay, don't okay. Know. Look, that, look, look. We got an answer. My time. We got an answer in the chat room now. Okay. I I Let's, used to own a uh, I used to own a uh, Volkswagen Hippie van. I yeah. actually lived in it when I would travel across country. Well, that that was nothing like this one. Now. But the only thing about the Volkswagen Hippie van, it, it would never go up a mountain. I could never could get it to go up a mountain very well. Uh, yeah, oh, I was a right. muscle car kid. I had a Mustang and then a Camaro. So, no, never had the the RVs. All right, all right. Well, well, I'm still waiting on an answer. What is the designator? You know, what's the model of that van right there? What is the model? My, oh, somebody got it. Mike got it there. W, I mean, uh, KB4JHU. That's the EM50. Now, do you, Glenn, do you remember that now? No. Yeah, you know? You I don't? still say that was before my time, or I was this into is, other things hey, man, at that time. Well, hey, this is 1981 movie, Stripes. Uh, I haven't, I, gosh, I only saw Stripes once, and that was probably back in 81. You must have been sleeping during that. That's the EM50 vehicle right there, and it is from Stripes. Okay. All right. Well, that was our uh, guessing game for tonight, so uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, as mentioned, hey, tonight we're going to talk about a, a 9 to 1. Maybe I hadn't mentioned it yet. We're going to talk about a little 9 to 1 ballon there. Uh, not a ballon, but a un un. Look at that. Look how clear that thing is. That is kind of cool there. And we're going to talk about some uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, strangest antennas you've ever used, in addition to some other things. But first, let's just go around the room here. And Glenn, come on in here, Glenn, and tell us what you've been up to this week. Anything? Yeah. Um, I have been trying to really bust it on the new book. And uh, basically, I'm taking... The best projects from the first three books and adding a few extras on top of that but i'm also updating every project uh, as i go along updating the code a little bit updating the um uh, the, the project itself 
repackaging it and, and whatever. And in a little bit, I'll show you one of the ones I'm, I'm doing. But uh, basically, I'm working on two and three projects simultaneously. One's I'm doing code with, and the other I'm building, and maybe the other I'm working on putting the enclosure together. So I've got basically three projects going at any given time. And, you know, with me taking a couple days off for Dayton, it's like if I'm going to get this book out, you know, in December, I can't slow down or stop. So just rolling as fast as I can on that. Well, you're uh, you're one busy guy all the time. Uh, you need to slow down. Oh, I will. I you know soon. You slow down, <laughs> slow down, and smell I, I the roses. I keep saying all I need is one bad day at work, and I'll retire, and then we'll slow solve down. that problem. Slow down and smell the roses, and we'll talk you about that it. again in just a little bit. I'm going to slow down and smell the roses this year. Uh, uh, as I've mentioned before, we are not going to live stream Hamvention. This is our, I think this is our 40th year to go. And uh, it would would been our 20th year to do a live stream. But it has become very, 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 did I say very expensive? The uh, All the years, uh, especially the later years of when we would stream up here, you guys may not believe this, but uh, between our hotels and other expenses, it cost me nearly $3,000 to go to Dayton uh, to do the live stream. And we've, we've done that for many, many years. I'm thinking, okay, 20, let's say 10 years at $3,000, that's $30,000. Hey, I could have bought a nice amplifier with that money. Yep, that's, that's quite know? a bit of change. But, you know, that's what we wanted to do, and that's what we did, you know. And uh, we had fun doing it. But, uh, you know, uh, while we did it, we were behind the camera, and when you look through the camera, you don't see anything except just what's right in front of the camera most of the right. time. We're always busy uh, talking with people, uh, and even when we had someone like uh, astronaut Wheelock or somebody with us, and uh, we'd have other people coming up wanting to talk to us, and, and not necessarily interrupting, but talking to us, so it was a real haphazard uh, format we were always in. Um, most of the years, we didn't even have time to get lunch. Uh, we, we worked uh, throughout the whole show, and then, uh, you know, hey, at the end of the show on Sunday, maybe the last 15 minutes before the last few people packed up and, and, and got away, I would run around to see what I could see the last well, 15 minutes. Let me tell minutes. you something there, Tom. Yeah. As somebody who, you know, I generally spend maybe an hour or two or three with the ARRL folks uh, over, over there meeting and, and, and greeting and that kind of thing, there's still not enough time to get done everything else in the shopping and all the visiting that I want to do. And I don't do a live stream for the whole event. I, that's just, you know, it's just wherever I want to go. And there's still not enough time to take it all in. Oh, yeah. I'm only going one day this year. Um, I, my, my nephew is graduating from high school. So uh, I'm going to be tied up on Saturday and Sunday with celebrations of that uh, momentous event. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm only going to be there on Friday this this oh, year, wow. but I'm going to hold the forum um, on Friday and our uh, balloon launch on Friday. So, uh, and, and then you're driving I'll, home I'll Friday up, night. Uh, then, uh, yeah, I'll be up there Thursday night. And driving home what Friday night? Then, oh no, my my uh, nephew uh, lives in Dayton. 
Oh, okay. So that's just a hop, skip, and a oh, jump. Oh, you should be able just to run over there for an hour for the graduation yeah, and come back. I, mean, I don't do see the, the problem, man. Come back to the ham fest. It won't work that way, I guarantee you. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Bill, I'm running into almost the same thing. Of course, most of our grandchildren, I mean, we've had some conflicts in the past, and uh, that meant flights to Dayton instead of driving and, you know, change. Yeah, but this this uh, next week when we go to Dayton, next Wednesday we're leaving, and uh, I had hoped to get out of here that morning and get in there at a reasonable time, you know, 6 o'clock in the evening. It's a 10-hour drive for us. But my friend that's going with us, his grandson is graduating from elementary school at 11 o'clock on Wednesday. So he has to go to that. That comes first. So he, he has to go to that. So I'll probably pick him up at his house at 1 o'clock. Now, 1 o'clock here is 2 o'clock Eastern time. Now, add 10 hours to that if we don't stop and we just really put the pedal in the middle. Add 10 hours to 2 o'clock, and we're going to get in about midnight, I guess, Wednesday night. But wow. it's okay. We used to drive, and we'd go to Dayton. Over the years, everything changed so much. We used to leave at 5 o'clock at night and drive all night. And we would drive up, uh, sometimes we'd go up Interstate 55 and cut across uh, Indiana and uh, at, at nighttime. And the guy, we would take multiple cars, and the guys would stop at the fireworks booths there in Indiana and buy Roman candles and stuff. And they would shoot them at us as we were driving down the road at three, at, as we were driving down the interstate, three in the morning, they'd be firing Roman candles and stuff back at us. Oh, man. That's that's the kind of fun that we used to have going up there, you know. Well, I've typically arrived uh, the night before Dayton, usually around 1, 2, or 3 in the morning, and uh, get a few hours, and then off I go to the ham fest. But this year, it's going to be a little different. I'll be up there Thursday night early, relatively early, <clears> and uh, uh, just try and pack everything in on one day on Friday, and I'm just crossing my fingers that the weather is going to be good, so we can do the uh, balloon launches after the balloon set forum. And Tom is going to be our one of our featured speakers at that forum. So uh, looking forward to having you uh, talk about all your adventures. Well, I'm, I, you know, I, I I'm gonna have to take a star off your your chart up here the last three or four weeks you have been hard to find bill you're just not available used to you're always available on messenger but now you must be working or something i don't know what's going on man i'm working and working on a new house yeah uh, well, here, money here's camp. what i'd like to have bill I, I, are you gonna how many are you gonna launch a few balloons two or three uh two okay two pk balloons okay and if you would yeah. i know you're gonna have a program i'd like to know the ssid of them ahead of time because on my web page i'm i'm going to have a link there where they can track all the balloons including ours at the on the same map at the same time so send it's me uh, w8bi dash uh, probably dash 11 and 12. okay hey i i can't deal with this probably stuff you're gonna have to make sure but i'll let you know I'll okay all, all right from the handvention committee what they want to okay. use. So we'll, we'll try. We'll a club call, W8BI. Okay. And let's see. I'm trying to find what I used last last uh, time we had a hand test. Man, it was three and years it's ago. It's probably going to be 11 and 12. 
but yeah. I, I'll find out for sure. All right, and let let me know. Let me know so and I it's can. It's going to be APR. Both of them are going to be APRS. Yeah. Well, we're going to do we're going to do the whisper because that's all I build, and we're going to launch a whisper at the same time. I hope. Now you know as you launched as we launched uh, last, well, when we were there last time that was 2019. <clears throat> Even the APRS balloons had a little trouble. Our astronaut friend had a little trouble getting it off the ground. He crashed it twice there. And one time he wrapped it around a power line. Now, and that that's with a tracker that's hanging about, I don't know, a couple feet below the balloon. I mean, we got 34 feet hanging below the balloon, you know. So, I don't know, man. It's going to have to be really calm weather. I mean, should we but, just... You know, you- we were talking about that before the show, and I've been watching the the long range forecast for Dayton, and it's it's supposed to be nice. It's going to be seventy five in the afternoon and fifties at night, and no rain in the forecast at this point. But we're still what ten days out. So yeah. Well, here's you know, here's uh, here's know what's going to happen. Well, here's what I'm gonna predict, and this is based on forty years of data. Okay, and this weekend <laughs> we're gonna get. Uh, High winds, 30 to 40 mile an hour gust. We're going to get rain. We're going to get sunburn. We're going to get flash flooding. Leet. There's a chance of snow. There's a chance of snow one day. And then the other days. Um, oh, you just, don't just, forget the chance of tornadoes and hail. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. one, one day out of those four, we're going to get either a hail. And the temperatures are going to vary from day to day from like 39 degrees with a wind chill of 16 uh, to uh, to uh, 90 degrees. So that's my prediction for, for next week. And, you and you're probably going to be right. Uh, what was that, Bill? Dressing layers and bring an umbrella. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, i got to find me a store, oh, Harbor, Freight, Harbor Freight or somebody up here, dollar store. I'm going to go by and buy about 100 umbrellas. If I can buy a hundred umbrellas for two bucks a piece, I'll take them to Hamfest and I'll sell them for five bucks. You would a piece. make a killing on certain Hamfests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I got is I've got one of those little plastic packets that's a poncho and a package that's about that big. Yeah. And I throw that in my backpack, and it's you know costs a buck or something. So yeah, I had I had those four too, but anything, I usually I usually get them if I use it. Throw it away when I'm done. I've had those before too, but usually I have a blowout in a back or something on them. I don't know. Yeah, now ICOM generally has those if you get there quick, they give those away. Oh, now, hey, now, hey. Fortunately, we won't have this issue since there's no more O'Hare Arena. Uh, but they're, they're, uh, at the Hare Arena, there was always a 99% chance of sewer explosion. Yeah, I was just, yeah. I just saw that from IOL there. I was going to say, you know, I'm talking about the weather, and he brought up a point there that we can you know, you're, he's absolutely right. There's always been a chance of sewer explosion there. Hopefully no shark nados either. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one of the things that they posted in the That's chat room was, uh, let's see, a snow quake nado. Yeah, well, I guarantee you, out of those four days I'm there, I, I'm going to hit the weather pretty close on at least four of the different subjects I just oh, yeah. mentioned. I, I will. So we hope it's uh, hope it's a nice day. And, uh, you know, hey, we've been so many times. We complained when it was so hot and sun burning. We complained in the rain. We've complained in the snow. But we always have fun, and we always go back. 
you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that first year at Xenia before they got the flea market squared away. You get, you got video of me. I'm about, you know, knee deep in mud, and I wore long boots. I can't. Uh, I remember all those electric uh, cart vehicles getting stuck in the mud. Yeah, too. the RVs getting oh, stuck in the mud. You know, I didn't. I didn't get out much that day. I know I saw some people getting stuck, and I saw I saw Glenn come in with mud up past his knees. Yeah. But I didn't see the uh, the scooters getting stuck. But I can imagine that that was. Oh yeah, it was. It was yeah. that deep in mud. Now you know they fixed that. They've got the what is it that crushed asphalt or whatever they put out now, and the t- last time it rained, it was just fine. Yeah, it's, they did a lot of work on that. The fairgrounds have been working hand-in-hand, uh, uh, hand and they've really uh, done a lot great job in uh, supporting Hamvention. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great the last time I went. All right, so, Bill, let's uh, – hey, send me a little bit more detail, Bill. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of – my uh, – the presentation part I got together, it can run uh, – about 25 minutes. Okay. okay. All right. That's what I needed to know. Uh, I can squeeze it in here, and we can just fast forward through some of my slides and things. and um, So that'll, that'll be good. I, and I do need the uh, the SSIDs there. And, uh, okay. So what our plan is, we'll scout the place out again on Thursday and then uh, see what the weather's going to be that next day. But. We will probably try to get our balloon ready uh, at the hotel um, Thursday night and just bring it out there because we won't have time to do everything. And uh, so, are you gonna are you gonna gas it up and weigh it and everything after the uh, uh, right, right after thing? the forum? There's a, uh, a large uh, kind of a entryway room where we will uh, inflate it they'll have a little tank of helium there and we can inflate it and then we'll take them out okay all right good kind of what i did several years ago yeah i'm playing with this new device what do you got it's uh qrp labs u4b uh oh uh, oh, wait you gotta hold it up wait a minute wait a minute let me let me bring you in here all right show is that the is that your new tracker that's their brand new tracker from QRP Labs. All right, I haven't really looked closely. Is that T board? Does that break off, or does that all stay there? That's a, a USB connector, yeah. and it break. It's the break off. It's 1.8 grams after you break off the connector. So, okay. um, but of course, there's no GPS antenna uh, yeah. on it. You had to put. I put a wire on it. They have a little dipole arrangement what they recommend, but. You know, uh, it seems I, I have okay not had any problem. I have not had any problem with a little quarter wave di- uh, uh, vertical on the boards. It 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 works. Right, fine. that's what I'm doing, just like we do on the ICT trackers. Yeah, yeah. It's about the same size. It's about the same size as the ICT tracker. Uses uh, basic to program it. He's got his own um, yeah. IDE and embedded into the processor. Uh, his own version of basic. He calls it QDOS. What processor is that? It's an STM32. Ah, okay. All right. Well, so, uh, yeah, you he know, managed we... to find a source of them, and he's got a limited number of these. Actually, he's got a fair number of them available. So. We've uh, we're doing a redesign of our board there that we've been using, and there it is, right there with the little break off on it, 
Yeah, actually, that's uh, that's not the most recent picture on the break-off. We actually have a uh, LED on there for uh, uh, GPS lock and so forth. Uh, all 603 parts, 0603 parts on, on there. And we've changed that to high side switch out too. We looked at putting just a, mo a MOSFET in here, but yeah, it wasn't too great. So we're, uh, we've changed that, that little that little gnat with six legs on it, that high side switch. We've changed it to a, a larger larger one uh, with five pins, so it's going to be much easier to solder in. So uh, I'm not sure what this is going to weigh in at. Uh, uh, my friend uh, uh, Mike has already built up six of them in testing, and all six came up and worked fine. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to like the break-off part because I hate soldering the wires on there. Um, but um, and we've got uh, we've got the pads on the back too. If we break it off, we can still solder to the pads. Uh, this is not a very good picture there. Um, uh, but you know we've made you know we made some changes to it from the original. We took out the the reset chip and uh, you know some other things like that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to to playing with that and trying that out here soon. What CAD program did you use to draw that? I'm not sure what he used. I didn't do that. Uh, I, I don't know if that's Eagle or was it? Was I used Eagle, yeah, uh, for, my, Eagle for my designs, uh -huh. but only because I used Eagle at work for many years. Uh -huh. Eagle, Eagle may not be the easiest to learn program out there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I've, are using KiCad and uh, right. others that are that are a little easier to use. Um, I don't think Eagle has that three-dimensional image capability. So I was thinking it was it's the, an add-on. Uh, it's a third-party add-on, but there is a way to do that with an Eagle. Okay, because um, I know KiCad has that in there. I'm an Eagle guy too, but I'm looking at probably switching over to the KiCad. The Eagle was purchased by Autodesk, and their right. new version, I believe, may have that 3D. Okay. Uh, thing in it. I just downloaded the the Autodesk version, which, if it's the limited size board, it's actually free. Yes. So they've done a lot of things to make it a little more user friendly. So that's, um, you know, I'd say um, try the new Autodesk version of Eagle, and uh, and then um, um, if you dig in there, you'll find the free version, and then. KiCad is probably a good second choice. Yeah, I, I use the Eagle, but I'm like, I think I'd like to switch over to KiCad since it seems like most of the folks are going that way. Well, there's a lot of them out there, but uh, certainly KiCad is, or KiCad is certainly well, popular. Yeah, there, there's debate on the name. The official Wikipedia pronunciation is K-E-E, -E, KiCad, but, you know, K-I... There's actually a, a little logo battle that they've got. They've got the K and the I has a, a human eye above it. And then the E is a a key for a door. And so they, they interchangeably use both logos. Well, well I don't even know what you guys are talking about now. But, hey, hey, let's move on. But it has a lot of libraries out there, community library, part oh, libraries. Yes. Which is oh, I've, I've had to make my own parts and stuff with Eagle. I'm real comfortable Eagle with it. Eagle is pretty gruesome to try and make your own parts. But so I hate the, the switch version. at this stage of the game. The new version is a little easier. 
Uh, but Kaikat's got a lot of libraries. All right, guys. So look, look, look that, hey, I'm, I need to move on with some things here. Hey, here's a battery. He, I, I won t- this. He's trying to sell this I won battery. This. I won this at the Memphis Hamfest with charger. And uh, I, I, the guy hadn't brought it to me yet. I, I'm, it's a friend of mine that picked it up for me. Uh, I put the word out in Memphis to see if anybody wants to buy it. I'm, I'm going to sell it for a half price of what the thing co- costs. It's one of those, uh, I don't know, 20 amp hour. Well, whoever, who, who is, I don't have a use for that. What's that, LiPo battery or whatever the thing is? Yeah. It's a, so anyway, it's a anyway, hey, if I don't state. sell it, that will be at Dayton with us. Uh, we'll throw that on our table there. Uh, the the helmet cam, the original helmet cam from 20 years ago, will be there in a, uh, a trophy case. Uh, if you want to take a look at the original uh, uh, helmet cam, it's going to be there. And uh, we, did, we did a uh, helmet cam. Uh, it was basically a hat cam at uh-huh. the ATV forum. We had a little. Uh, it was Ohio State. The logo and the camera was right in the middle of the O. And uh, I put it on my dad's head, and he walked around, and we could see whatever he was looking at. We were transmitting on 434 megahertz Fastcan ATV with a little TV transmitter in his hat. And well, so he walked outside the forum room. We could still see him. And then he walked into the men's room. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, that, hey, that happens. That, 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 that can happen on here. You know, back when we started doing that 20 years ago, Internet was bad. Uh we were lucky if we could get a we were lucky to get more than 50 or 60 kilobit you know uh connection and um so the quality was pretty bad back then plus with it on the head there was too much too much moving around like this man people were getting dizzy it was blurry you know it just the camera couldn't follow it that quickly so uh we finally uh, uh, retired the, the helmet cam there. All right, I tell you what, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll be back, and we're going to talk about a 9-to-1 un-un that is put in some liquid glass. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about some most unusual antennas. So we'll be right back in just a second. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the- From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. Be a field day leader with ICOM. Field day is Ham Radio's most popular event, and it's just around the corner. It's June 26th and 27th. More than 40,000 North American hams come together to operate remotely. Contact with nature, contact with friends. With a powerful and high-quality ICOM base station, easily cut through the pileups to get that contesting edge our popular IC705 portable, the IC7300, and the IC7610 SDR transceivers are the clear choice for DXers and contesters across the globe. The IC705 is a perfect transceiver for hams who enjoy both the great outdoors and indoors. Our field day. It's a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. 
and is weighing in at just under two pounds. It has a 4.3 inch touchscreen with a live band scope and a waterfall. It runs 5 watts with a battery or 10 watts with a 13.8 volt DC power supply. Integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger. And the speaker microphone, the HM243, comes standard. The IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative ATS transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative ATF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. It has RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, and real-time spectrum scope. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. It has RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digital select. For more information, visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur. Side of the business. All right, we're that was, back. That was, yeah, I couldn't escape it. I'm looking for... I'm looking for the video. Oh, let's see. I'll find it. Probably have to get it a different way here. Let's see. Here we go. All right, we're going to talk about, uh, I met uh, online here, I met uh, Mike Hanna, W9XAX, and he had a neat little uh, un he built, and and uh, I thought it was kind of neat to see, and we're going to play a little video here. I'll try to skip through a little bit so it won't take too long, but he builds this great-looking un for 9 to 1. That means basically it's for a random link wire. You know, if you're going to use a half-wave link wire, you need a 49 to 1 ratio but a nine to one is good for um, a random link wire uh so uh let's see what he uh what he did here i man i, I want to do one of these i want to do one to make it look like it so here we go let me see if i can get it started i'll figure this out in a minute all right guys Welcome back. Long time no see. Uh, I started a new career. We had COVID-19, a whole bunch of crap, so I haven't been able to make very many videos. been able to make any videos, but I've got a good one for you today. It is a 9-to-1 un-un project that I've been working on, and it's pretty cool. So here's my project. It's a 9-to-1 that is made side of epoxy makes it waterproof for the most part still around the so239 you might get a little moisture but the whole thing is pretty much waterproof and i want to show you guys how i made it so let's go okay for the actual guts of this project these are the things that you're going to need this is 18 gauge wire i like using three different colors because it makes it easier to wire up uh, about two and a half feet, I like holding the end in my hand and I'll pull it up to my armpit and that usually gives me enough wire for what 
I need to wrap that. This is a T130-2 toroid core. I buy them in packs of four off Amazon. If I was going to make a bunch of these, I'd probably find somewhere else or more in bulk so they'd be cheaper. But uh, SO239 connector. I like using these. They're pretty diverse in the different projects I've done. And a couple bolts, washers, and nuts. Now, whenever you wire this up, I'll put the diagram right here. These special headphones don't go into your well, ear, they vibrate the bones in your head. These insane bone can... You've got to have all three wires in order the entire time you wrap it. This wire's not preferable, I've used it before, I've already got one wrapped but I will show you in a minute. But anyway, you want to leave about, oh, five inches, and then just start wrapping, ensuring that the orders, the colors, red, yellow, white, it stays in that order every time you wrap it. Here is the wrapped core. Uh, the far right one is the ground wire, the far left one, which it doesn't matter which is which at this point, but just say this one is the ground and this one will go for the long wire and the red is in the middle. So we wrap each one of the colors with one of the red ones. You want to make sure that on your core, that the inside has nine wraps. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine for this. But let's go over to the table and I will get all this soldered up. And I'm going to do it through a fast forward because I don't want you guys to see how bad my soldering is.
the unknown. Just in case you didn't have a real good look of the wiring. I'll put a diagram there, but pretty simple. This is the silicone mold that I found on Amazon. It's pretty deep, but that won't matter a whole lot because I don't have to fill the thing all the way up. But I'm just going to set that guy inside there and make sure that nothing is touching the edges and everything looks pretty center. About right like that. Here is the epoxy that I found on Amazon. I've used it a couple times. It works pretty good. Uh, it's a two-part that you got to mix together beforehand. Uh, I'll put the link in the description for this, but pretty much I just get a little cup and stir it up for about five minutes with the ratios of each that it calls for. So it was two parts resin and one part activator on this. And I'm using all this plastic crap to mix it up because I couldn't find anything else. So I'm going to stir this up and make sure there's no air bubbles in it and uh, go at it for about five minutes here. Okay, I've got it all nice and mixed up. I kind of wish I would have not poured it in such a big bowl because now I've got to pour it inside of this and not get it everywhere anyway whenever you're pouring it you want to make sure that you pour it inside you got to stop as soon as you get on top of this so239 connector here and you don't want to get any higher and you want to make sure that you don't get any on the threads of anything so let's see if i can do this without making a giant mess i'm gonna make a giant mess And it is right above. I'm going to put just a hair more. And I'm going to call that good right there. All right, now that I've got it in there, I pretty much, uh, this stuff, there's a few bubbles on the surface they'll pop, but I'm pretty much going to let this set for a couple days, and we'll see the result. So you'll see it here in just a second. It's going to take me a couple days. All right, here we are about three days later. And this thing is ready to come out of the mold. So I kind of messed with it the day before yesterday. And it wasn't quite ready, so it might be disformed just a hair. But Ooh, look at that. Came out actually pretty nice. 
So let's go try it out. This. All right, we're gonna stop it right there, and uh, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna show uh, all the rest here. We're starting to get ads there on uh, on YouTube. Uh, I couldn't find my uh, local file tonight, so I'm having to run it on YouTube. Um, so uh, it looked pretty neat. I was really impressed with how clear it was and how you could see the parts in there. And it looked like it would really be well uh, waterproof and uh, looking pretty good there. Um, so uh, he uh, later on in the video, and you can find that video uh, if you just search for... Uh, W9XAX on YouTube, you can find that video. And he shows using the antenna analyzer. He had a little trouble on 80. It had about a 9 to 1 SWR on uh, 80. <coughs> Excuse me. But that is because he uh, his wire was too short. So with a random wire, uh, it, it, it does depend somewhat on length, for, for uh, especially the HF bands. Uh, but uh, the wire he had up, uh, he went ahead and ran it on 40 meters and 20 meters and all the other uh, bands. And it came out less than 2 to 1 on all the other bands. And uh, it really uh, uh, worked well for him. He demonstrates it there. So it's kind of neat. Now, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to buy me some of that liquid glass. It's a, it's a resin and epoxy, I'm sure is what that is. I'm going to buy me some of that, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make me some... Uh, you know, some uh, 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 balance here and put them in here, and they'll look so pretty and neat. But I looked that up on uh, I looked that up on uh, Amazon, and man, a gallon of that stuff cost a hundred bucks. Uh, I don't think I'll do it for that. I'll just leave mine in a little plastic box. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's that's yeah. a little steep there. That's what? A little steep on the price there. Yeah, a hundred bucks for uh, a bottle of that stuff, man. So anyway, I, I you know, hey, that that made me not want to make it make one, you know. I don't know, but if you want to, I if mean, you have questions, it's pretty, but that's yeah, that can get expensive in a hurry. If you uh, have questions, uh, and, and of course that hundred dollars would probably do, I don't know, probably about ten of them. It would it would do maybe ten or fifteen of them. That'd get it down to ten bucks a piece or less, you know. Hey, if you have questions with uh, for Mike, uh, his call is W9XAX. You can email him. Uh, he's good on QRZ, so uh, go ahead and email him. And uh, uh, if you can't find him there, just go on his YouTube channel. And uh, just in the comments on the video, you can you can type uh, a question here in the comments there. So, um, so you know, I thought that was pretty neat, man. You know, I've never used a, a random length and. And, and you know, I, I I've been a ham almost six years, and I, I haven't, I probably hadn't used a ballon the first thirty or forty years of my ham radio uh, uh, time, you know. But uh, I can see the need for them, and you know, uh, they're easy to build. Uh, we've done some on the show here, and uh, especially if you want to uh, build one for your for a half wave. Uh, a half wave in fed uh, it takes a 49 to 1 49 to 1 because i guess an in fed half wave the impedance is somewhere up uh between two and three thousand ohms and uh hey multiply 50 time your ratio of 50 and that's about what 2500 2500 yeah ohms, right a so. little under 2500 yeah so and again you can either add a couple turns you can take some turns off and adjust that balance to really 
uh, uh, perform better. But, you know, the, the thing you want to do is just get that balance where it gets your SWR down to about two to one on all the bands. And, of course, then use your tuner and your radio, and uh, that gets you by. Of course, that's not the perfect thing to do. Uh, I like resonant antennas everywhere. So uh, that's uh, typically what I shoot for, resonant antennas there. I got to uh, give them credit. That is a very pretty build. Yeah, you know, you could take some of your projects there, Glenn, like your your QRP rig there, and fill that thing up with uh, with epoxy and seal that thing, man. And then invariably, I'd want to make a wiring change. Yeah, or or something went bad, right? And it had yeah. to. Well, yeah, that's definitely a one-way event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot that's like definitely. you said, with it being clear, when you burn it up, you can at least look in there and see that it's burned up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at it this way: the smoke will never get out. Yeah. Yeah. So it really shouldn't stop working. So you've got a a little bit of a a conflict going on there. Yeah, you, it wouldn't let the smoke out. That's for sure. It, it yeah, but keep... you can see the smoke, so it's out. But well, it's I don't know if that out. if that epoxy is tied around a part, you might it might keep the smoke in. That's what I'm saying. It'll keep the smoke in, but you can see the smoke coming out. You know, so it's kind of like. Which is it? Part should continue working, right? The smoke wasn't really let out. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, I want to welcome back Jeff, N3VE here. I haven't seen him in a chat room in a long time, uh, but uh, Jeff is back uh, with us. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for joining us tonight. And hopefully we'll see you in Xenia uh, this week. We'll be up here uh, this week. Uh, guys, next we week. What was it? Next week. Next, next week. week. Yeah, that's right. It is next week. Yeah. So and by the way, you won't see the smoke come out. You'll just see it turn cherry red until the epoxy catches fire. Then you'll see. Yeah. That. Maybe then you maybe, really let maybe the that's out. what happens. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, hey, neat job there, Mike. Uh, N9XAX on your YouTube video there. Um. Let's talk about, real quick, let's talk about strange antennas. I thought that would be a good uh, subject tonight for us to talk about. What is the weirdest antenna that you've ever used? And this is where people in a chat room can participate. A, and, a rhombic. And uh, what was that? A, a UHF rhombic. A UHF rhombic? Yeah. Yeah. It had tremendous gain. It was very long, made it entirely out of. Uh, segments of wire it's like a triangle and yeah. it has a load resistor on the end um, but it was it performs really well but it's like 26 feet long on 70 centimeters but so that would be me, i don't know that'd be what 20 20 or 30 wavelengths i don't know i mean it'd be it'd be it, it worked really well it yeah. was a fun project but I, yeah. I built that many many years ago all right, well, let me pull them up here, and I've got uh, we've got some um, people here. Another favorite is the beverage, the receive only antenna, but uh, certainly a great antenna because it's slow noise. Yeah, the beverage antenna. It's now, only I three feet thought, off the ground. I, I always thought the beverage, as I was a young ham growing up, I always thought the beverage antenna was made out of beer cans. I don't know why I yeah. thought that. <laughs> me too. Yeah, anybody else? Anybody else think that? And you know there was there was an antenna. Uh, I don't know if it's a handbook or somewhere where a guy actually, and I'm going to say soldered. Maybe back then beer cans were steel. I don't know, not aluminum, but 
they actually had soldered them together in, in a bunch of beer cans to make an antenna. I do remember seeing that. Yeah. So that might be why I think of a beverage antenna being a beer can. Now, it'd be a little and bit more difficult. A, a collinear made out of uh, segments of coax, yeah, uh, yeah, soldered uh, alternate shield to center. Uh, those work well. I, you and, know, I, uh, I may have tried. Things. I may have tried that one time. I'm not sure I had much good luck with it. I probably wasn't detailed enough with it because when you cut those sections, you know, you need to make sure you get the velocity factor and all that stuff in there and get the right, right length. So I don't know. Uh, a skeleton slot antenna is always a fun one and a bow tie antenna. Well, here is my most unusual antenna that I have used right here, uh, guys. Uh, this antenna is a 1980 El Camino. Uh, that was my El Camino, and I had it in my backyard. Um, and I thought, you know, hey, I've got this neat little SGC uh, tuner. And uh, it'll tune anything. It's a little auto tuner, 100-watt auto tuner that you place out at the antenna. So I, I clipped that sucker onto my bumper, that back bumper right there. And I'm thinking, okay, this El Camino should make a pretty good antenna. It's sitting on four insulators these are rubber air insulators and uh so i uh uh i connected the antenna output of the tuner to the bumper there and i made a contact i actually made a contact from tennessee to uh, a guy in washington state and uh i uh he said your mobile is doing a great job and i said no 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 you you don't understand i said i'm not running mobile I'm running the mobile as the antenna. So he, he finally understood what I was doing. But, uh, you know, that, that worked out pretty good. I'm thinking, okay, why can't a person do that while you're driving? Why couldn't you make your car an antenna while you're driving? Uh, of course, my, my, uh, my antenna tuner was uh, connected to my ground system. That You wouldn't drive very far connected to a ground system. So I'm thinking... Well, maybe you could drag behind you on the road, maybe a 130-foot, uh, you know, 130-foot piece of wire, you know, as a, as a radio, you know, and, and tune your truck up as an antenna. That would be pretty cool. So my, my most unusual antenna I've used was the uh, uh, 1980 El Camino, and it, it, uh, it worked well. And that's the that's the thing I like about these these auto antenna tuners. You can tune anything metal. And you can just about tune it up. Let's see what else we had here. Uh, uh, what else was submitted here uh, from people? Um, oh, my! You're digging. I've got about three that I used. Yeah. I lived in a two-story apartment in West Palm Beach, and. Uh, you know, they, they definitely frowned on any kind of permanent antenna. So I would run out after dark with a coax that had clip leads on the center conductor and clip onto the rain gutter. And I would use yep. my MFJ uh, tuner and tune up the, the rain gutter and made a few contacts off of that. Well, you know, hey, I, I've always wanted to do that for the show, just do a little short segment. I've got rain gutters here in the house. I could just go right outside my window and connect to one, and we could do that. I just haven't done it. Hey, uh, we're told in the chat room that the inventor of the beverage antenna 
His name was Beveridge. His last name That's was Beveridge. That's correct. Yes. Is that right? I, I did not know that. That's what why a, it was named What an Beveridge interesting in last name for Beveridge. Uh, well, hey, yeah, they, the gutters will work well. Let's see. Here's a guy here that says uh, many years ago uh, he, he used a 75-watt bulb. And, of course, many years ago we used the light bulb as a dummy load to tune up exactly. into. Exactly, yeah. And he Not said, realizing uh, that the coil, little coil on the filament was an inductive load. Yeah, and he said uh, he made a uh, inductive load. That's pretty small inductive load there, I tell you. He made a yeah. contact. Uh, he worked a guy in uh, Florida uh, from California. That's pretty pretty cool, man. And let's see. Uh, uh, a guy did one with a Ford Pinto. He called it the flamethrower. I don't know why. I was going to say that's a risky proposition right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, turned up an aluminum. Uh, tuned up a aluminum window. Let me let me get back on here. Let's see. Let me get the camera. You don't want to use an N-fed uh, weather pinto. You don't want to do what? <laughs> do, do what? Don't use no, an N-fed weather pinto. I didn't hear you, Bill. Don't use an N-feed with uh, arrangement with a pinto. Oh. Okay. Yeah, huh. you got a lot of volts floating off that Then you see the smoke come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this guy used an aluminum window frame. He uh, used it on 10 meters, and he worked uh, an HP from New York City. That's pretty cool. That's pretty uh, cool. Let's see. Somehow I tuned up my... Oh, here's a guy. He tuned up his two-meter... I guess that's a ground plane. He tuned up his uh, two-meter ground plane uh, to 20 meters by accident and made a contact uh, to Texas from Michigan. Uh, now, one of the other ones that I did... Uh, to go along with the rain gutter is I had a whole spool of 30-gauge wire wrap wire, and it was that blue color. So if you threw it out on a clear day, nobody could see it. And there was this pine tree in the middle of the courtyard behind the apartment, so I would get on the, the second-floor you know, terrace of my apartment and throw a lead weight on the end of that 30-gauge wire and I'd run a, a random length antenna that way, and I could leave that one up because nobody could see that 30-gauge wire up in the air 20 feet. Yeah, you know, I've got uh, uh, a number of spools, probably 5,000 feet of, I, I guess it's wire wrap wire, different colors, orange and different colors. And we took it to field day many, many years ago. We went over in Arkansas up on a little mountain over a big lake. And uh, we had uh, uh, got a tank of helium, and we had a bunch of balloons, and we were going to put up a 5,000-foot vertical. Now, this may be – we were going to put up a 5,000-foot vertical, and about every 100 foot, we tied a big balloon on it, you know, uh, just so we could keep track of how high it was, you know. But it didn't go up. It didn't go up in the air. We were again. We were on this mountain. When I say mountain, we were probably three hundred feet above the lake, but there was a cliff there. But it didn't go up. It just went out over the lake, and it just start kept going out over the lake. You know, it never rose, but it kept going out. And then I think somebody must have been shooting at the balloons because it started popping one at a time, man. So that turned out to be a terrible uh, experiment on field day for a 5,000-foot antenna. And the rest of field day, all the guys did was breathe the helium and talk like Donald Duck. 
Now, we, uh, when we were at Ohio State, they had this gigantic radio telescope north of uh, Columbus. And it was just an acre of solid metal on the ground. And so they were going to tear it apart. And we got permission to uh, put a balloon vertical on it on 160 meters. And we, uh, we won the 160 meter contest. That was an amazing ground plane. We could, during the middle of the day, we were working Europe on 160 meters. Oh. And I, you know, I wish we could have done that more often, but they just dismantled the whole thing the next year. But uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Now, one a... of the craziest antennas that I ever did is I want to say I built it from a handbook. But it was a two-meter Yagi, but it was built on a wooden frame. Yeah. So yeah. I had coat hanger elements and a wood frame for the antenna. Now, you know, looking back all those years, and I'm thinking, what happens to that antenna when it rains and gets moist on that wood? Because it was untreated probably, wood. Probably works even better. It the thing probably actually does. worked yeah. quite well. There you go, guys. Here's your typical. Uh, there you go. Here is, here is the classic. Here's the classic antenna you hear hams talk about. This is the classic bed spring antenna. And, you know, that's the fun thing about ham radio. I mean, anything will work for an antenna. I mean, you know, this guy, hey, bed, bed, bed springs here. And then a lot of people, of course, have used the chain link fence. One guy used a two and a half uh, mile long chain link fence. Let's see. Uh, when I first bought this place, uh, it, there was a about a oh I don't know several thousand feet of electric fence wire up. So I unhooked the charger and I fed that, and it worked pretty well. Now here is okay. Hey, you know how you know how they have. Oh, let me stop this. Well, here we go. You know how they have uh, parks on the air. They've got all these uh, things out there. Parks on the air and. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a legitimate one out there called Walmart parking lots on the air. People actually go to Walmart parking lots and you try to see how many Walmart parking lots you can work. But here's one here called Bridges on the Air, B-O-T-A, Bridges on the Air. This guy actually used a bridge for an antenna. But let's take a quick look at his video here. And uh, see how his bridge worked out. It'll be a little noisy. Along the I-5 bridge. And they say this tuner will tune a wet spaghetti noodle. Let's see if it tunes up an entire bridge. Okay, 
it's gone. I hook it back up. If I can. It's back. Definitely tuned up the bridge. <laughs> All right, so there you go. He uh, tuned up a bridge, and uh, that was, uh, let's see, who sent that in? Let me see who it was. The secret to growing a tool that can oh, satisfy boy. most women can be found in your fridge. Let me stop this. Are you afraid your little buddy down stop, there isn't Stop, stop, stop. There we go. <laughs> uh, that was sent in by uh, Alex. Uh, Alex, uh, no, he said a buddy, his uh, W4DVE did the, the bridge uh, for an antenna. Those are all some cool antennas. Uh, that was quite impressive. You know, getting you know, that down the, the bridge, of course, is grounded, but you know, hey, just like you can use a tower for an antenna and it's grounded, you can do a shunt feed, and just as long as you can tune into that thing, I think it's going to radiate and it probably uh, do uh, do pretty good, man. So, hey, that was some fun uh, antenna things we did tonight. Um, if you've got an unusual antenna, send it in to us or post it in our Facebook group there. We'd love to uh, love to see it. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Glenn, one of those uh, those uh, wooden antennas on two meters was called the Quaggy. It had two quad loops for the reflector and the driven element, and then you had the the uh, little welding rod wires mm. for the along the wooden boom, and they worked great on um, UHF and VHF. Yeah, I remember mine was done with coat hangers. You know that you straightened out and one by twos all nailed together and put it up about 20 feet one of my favorite antennas though for hf is the 500 foot square uh you've got about 150 feet on each each leg is a big square and that one works phenomenally well well someone was mentioned see see the water antenna i don't know what that is i'll have to look that up water antenna uh Sea water, as in salt oh, water. Well, well, that's well. Okay, maybe so. Okay, well, very good, guys. We're gonna open up the uh, we're gonna open up the Zoom here for people to join us in a few minutes, and we'll continue our discussion. Let me just say, everybody, you have been watching Amateur Radio Roundtable, or listening to it out there on shortwave. It's a show about ham radio. Uh, if you will, please. Send us an email. Let us know where you're hearing the station if you're a shortwave listener. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us a signal report. Tell us how you're hearing the uh, hearing uh, WBCQ. We're on WBCQ every Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on 7490. Uh, so the show's audio is there every uh, Thursday. Uh, but you can also join our show live. It's a video show on a YouTube channel. You can join us live and in our chat room. Just by going to w5kub.com and clicking on uh, live chat and video. Okay, um, uh, for you latecomers, please, uh, we need you to do something for us. If you hadn't done it, uh, hit that subscribe button. I think that subscribe button should be there. <coughs> Excuse me, where the arrow is pointing. I hope so. Anyway, uh, please hit that subscribe button. All right, so so to keep the uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable reasonable length, we're going to cut it off somewhere around an hour. We've been going about an hour and 10 minutes now. 
And now we're going to go to what we call the show, the after the show show. This is after the show show. It's just, uh, it's still a part of Amateur Radio Roundtable. And this is where we're going to invite anybody that wants to uh, come in and join us. They can come in on our, our uh, Zoom link here. And uh, you'll be actually on a show and people will be seeing you on the video. So come on in here. Fix uh, the post a link. Watch for the link. And here we go. There's a link right there. You guys, uh, let's see if we can get some turnout tonight. You guys go ahead and let's see how many we can get in here tonight. Uh, hey, I want to say hello to my friend uh, Michel Van Hove over in uh, Belgium, ON6FH. If he's watching the show, he usually does tune in later. Of course, it's very late in Belgium. It's after midnight there right now, but uh, he usually watches the rerun every every week. Um and while we're waiting, uh, hey, I, hey, I ran at the beginning of the show the uh, the W five KB squares. I don't know if everybody saw it. I'll run it again while we're waiting for somebody to join us here uh, on the uh, uh, Zoom call. But uh, uh, if you missed it, uh, here we are again. I thought that's kind of cool there. Our friend, uh, our friend Chris, AA4CB, actually put that together for us. We'll be seeing him at Huntsville Hamfest here in a, in, a, uh, in August, I think. But I'm not in there. I looked this time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, when that was. That that may have been up on the uh, YouTube for a year or longer. Who knows when it was up oh, there? Yeah. We can uh, well, we I can get that changed and get you in there. Yeah, I just got uh, word yesterday that I will be doing an Arduino forum at the Huntsville Ham Fest again this year. Well, that is cool. So well, that's cool. Going to be doing an all-new forum, so looking forward to that. We can't wait. We will be at Huntsville. In fact, we will be streaming Huntsville this year. We will be giving away prizes this year, just like we have every year for many years. Uh, we're just taking a break from Hamvention, and uh, we're going to enjoy Hamvention. When you get old like me, and even older like uh, Glenn there, you got to start slowing down sometime, you know? Hey, I'm not slowing down. I'm actually speeding you gotta up. you got to slow down sometime. So, hey, Hamvention, we're going to do some recording. We're going to walk around. We will have our booth. If you're in uh, Xenia this, this year, come by and see us. We'll be, our booth is 2804, same place as we were last year. And uh, you can come by and visit with us. We may be out of the booth walking around. We'll be getting some video. And we'll show that video, and we'll have a few segments on our Tuesday night show showing you what was at uh, Hamvention. Uh, so we're uh, we're looking forward to having some some uh, us time at Hamvention this year. But we will be back. We love uh, Huntsville so much. Even when we work at Huntsville, it's still a pleasure. It's just a great great ham fest there and, yeah i love that indoor venue uh, there at huntsville in the yeah. middle of summer it can be 100 degrees outside and you don't care because you're sitting yeah. there nice and comfortable in the air conditioning yep all right let's see you know i haven't talked to Raisa uh you know well we did talk about a week ago uh 
right now we're just everybody just kind of hanging low because of what's going on with the Ukraine deal, and um, actually it's 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 upsetting for a race or two to see what's going on there. Not sure how much she's seeing of it or what she's getting on the news there because the news is very uh, controlled in Russia. But uh, since she travels to Finland and places, uh, I think she has a better uh, uh, idea of what's going on there. So we've decided just to kind of sit back on that. You know, uh, ham radio is still good. Uh, probably most of the ham radio operators in Russia we talk to are, are good people. But um, you, you get others on the air that when they hear you talking to them, they start jamming you and they start calling names, and it's just terrible. And we, of course, want to avoid that, particularly on a show. So we're not going to do we're not going to do that there. But we do miss uh, Raisa uh, since she joined the show. <coughs> we we do miss her, and uh, hoping that we can have her back on here uh, uh, real soon. Well, you mentioned that you'd talk to Katie here. I talked to Katie uh, just uh, yesterday. Uh, we communicated with Katie, and Katie uh, is indicating that she's kind of going to surprise us and get back on here. Uh, I was kind of thinking maybe tonight will be the surprise, but uh, she didn't show up tonight. So I, I, I think Katie will be back. Uh, you know, she's gone gone through. She's working now full time and uh, got a lot of things going on, and also she's had surgery on her arm and. Uh, a lot of medication and, uh, you know, a lot of healing and uh, uh, rehabilitation on her shoulder and so forth. So she just didn't feel like coming on uh, uh, on Tuesday nights and, and committing to that. But she'll she'll be back. Oh, yeah, let's see. I am just can't wait for Dayton. You know, it's, it's one of those. It's coming so fast. It's like it's going to be over just as fast. And oh. This isn't fair. Well, I'm ready for it. I don't think it's going to come fast enough. I'm ready for it. But I'm uh, ready for it. I got a week and one day before we leave, and then we got that long ten-hour uh, terrible drive, and that's a terrible drive, guys. Yep, I'm flying this time, so somebody else is going to do the driving for me. But yeah. I do have to be at the airport bright and early Thursday morning. So I yeah, well, I tell you what, guys, I was in Bowling Green uh, this past weekend. Uh, up there this past weekend, Bowling Green for a a, a, a graduation. My uh, uh, daughter's not daughter my my granddaughter's boyfriend uh, just graduated as a doctor of physical therapy, and we had to go to his uh, graduation up in Bowling Green at Western Kentucky University there. Uh, boy, that's halfway up to Dayton right there, man. If I could just keep going. Pretty much, yeah. I'd have kept going, but uh, that, that was still a tiring trip, too. Um, but anyway, you know, modern day today, we got it pretty easy. Can you imagine trying to go to Dayton in a covered wagon? We'd have oh, to leave a couple of days early, you know? Yep. Maybe even a couple well, of weeks I mean, early. even back in the, the 60s and 70s, before the interstate system was finished, you... You know, can only go 40, 50 miles an hour, and it would take forever to make that kind of a trip. You know, I remember that when I uh, when I was going to college over at Arkansas Tech in western Arkansas back in the late 60s, the interstate wasn't finished across Arkansas. Right. And, well, it's uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, the stuff's so old now out there, it's starting to chip up, and they're having to replace it, you know. But, hey, back then, it wasn't even, there was, 
there was a hundred miles of it that hadn't been completed. So right. we'd be on interstate for a little ways, and then we'd get off on uh, two lane highway sixty four, you know, for the next hundred miles. And uh, uh, man, that kind of dates you when you go back to before the interstates. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember in Florida that I had relatives in Orlando, and we, we used to go up there before Disney World, before the Florida Turnpike. I mean, it was nothing but a two-lane, you know, 50, 55-mile-an-hour road if you got lucky that whole trip, and that was a long, long drive. Yeah. You know, so here we doing it, you know, 70, 75-plus you know, if Tom's driving, you're closer up into the 90s, as long as you don't get caught. But uh, well, I, was, hey, you do get quick. you do get caught. You do get caught. You know, y'all, I've heard my story many times. Us coming back from Dayton, doing 89 in a 70, uh, north of Nashville. Yep, we were caught, but uh, we actually got out of that ticket. Everyone no, in the I'm chat room, I'm... we were actually live streaming, and everyone in the chat room was so nice. What's going on, Tom? Are you okay, Tom? What's going on, Tom? We're taking a collection of bail you out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I'm glad I'm flying this year. I'm looking forward to the nice, relaxing trip up and back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's Bill. What's you up to, Bill? Oh, you know, good evening to you all. Hey, uh, hey I was just taking in the, uh, the the atmosphere here before he spoke. <laughs> well, we've been doing a lot of uh, remote testing, and we've been doing in-person testing, and uh, I think the FCC's starting to crank out licenses again, or at least I saw something on Facebook tonight that they got one. So, uh, But I'll tell you, this new system that they have is... Um, I, I guess causing a little bit of uh, concern. Uh, the um, VEC sends something into the FCC on somebody taking a test. They make an application, okay, in the FCC's database system. And it's supposed to, when they put that in there, it's supposed to send an email to the candidate saying, hey, you know, you got to pay $35. Well, I guess, you know, when you sign up for your FRN in CORS, um, basically you sign in and they give you an FRN number and you use your FRN and your password to do it. Well, now they want an email address, okay? And I called the ARRL on Monday and I said, hey, what's the story here? And they said, oh, well, yeah, you have to, you, you, the, the candidates have to put, I says, well, I says, there's a new course and an old course. I says, so does that mean because I just renewed my license in December that I have to go back to cores and sign in as a new person and put an email address and a password? And the lady said, yes, you do. And I says, oh, well, that's nice. I says, who told us? <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, first, I've heard of this. Well, I'm telling you, uh, Glenn, um, since the 19th of, of April, uh, I go on, uh, what is it? Ha what is it? Hamcall.net forward slash daily FCC dot HTML. You know, because I want to see 
if my candidates are actually getting their licenses. And I saw they did 673 on the 19th of April. Okay. And then it was like, nothing. Okay. I mean, they, they were not issuing new licenses. They were issuing renewals. They were issuing Danny grants and da, 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 da. And it, it, they they issued a couple, and then it was like three or four days, and then four, four or five, and then, you know, nothing. And then on Monday, uh, the uh, they, they, they issued like 573 licenses. I'm saying to myself, what? <laughs> you know, they, they may, got problems they be, in Gettysburg, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you know, they may be like my job. I mean, I only actually go into the office two days a week. So, you know, this person may be only going to the office one or two days a month, and that Monday just happened to be their day in the office. Well, I, I, can, I can assure you that the SEC is still, you know, um, I guess you'd say uh, remoting. Okay, and uh, you know, I I can understand, you know, but I mean, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have announced it for the nineteenth if their computer system wasn't ready for the for the impulse that it got and shut things down. <laughs> and I think that's the issue is that their system wasn't prepared to have to start charging fees where they didn't used to, and they just couldn't get that code to work right or something. Well, I'll tell you that it, being, being a, a uh, retired Navy person, I served time in D.C. and I worked in an area that was specifically computer programming and what have you. Okay, and they did not put anything out there until they actually they actually did trial runs over the weekend just to make sure the thing was working. Okay, before they even attempted to put it in yeah, the real Bill, system. What century was this? So was this before or after they stopped using Abacus? Uh, it would have been 1981 to 1985, to be exact. <laughs> I mean, we were still you. using, uh, we were still using, what was it? Cobalt and um, RPG? Epsidic and Epsidic and... Fortran? Fortran, yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, Bill, the way they test software nowadays, the public does it. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they found out very quickly that whatever they put didn't work, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you fix the bugs. You let the public find the bugs, and then you fix it. Yeah. yeah, see, yeah. I, mean, I was I was doing this back in the 70s, and we, you know, we didn't have Internet, so the stuff I was doing was, you know, military research. So, yes, there was no public-facing side to anything that we did. Well. The, you want to know something? If we wanted to do something through, you know, uh, uh, out of the building, okay, we had to teledyne the thing from A to B, okay, yeah. and they had this. They had this really nice computer in, um, I think it was uh, Cleveland, Ohio, at the Navy Finance Center, okay, and they said, well. Uh, you, you, you could probably use it. And I called the guy up. He goes, oh, he says, we're not doing anything right now. He says, what do you need? I says, I'm sending you eight files. I says, I would like you to run run it. I says, and I will send you a note. I says, and tell you, you know, A, B, C, D, E. I says, and I want you to send it back to me. 
And it was back in like 40 minutes. And yeah. I said to myself, God, you know, it, I mean, it took almost a whole bloody weekend to run this report on on, on, uh, uh, on the Navy's computer. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I, I brought it out and I handed it to my boss and I says, here, I says, this is an advanced copy of what you're going to see on Monday. I says, on uh, Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back in the era I was there, we just started getting... Um, some form of communication, you know, we had the old uh, bisynchronous data lines that would go to the building, you know, four or five miles away. But, yeah. you know, to prevent signals from leaving our building, which shows you how tight stuff was, our building was uh, encased in two sheets of lead entirely around the building to prevent any kind of RF leakage or data leakage from that room. I uh, worked at a company that was trying to introduce a new uh, <clears throat> switch telephone switching system to compete with AT&T. Sounds like AT&T, but it wasn't. I, yeah. I won't go any farther than that. Inside the building, there were no windows. There were posters, security first, don't, you know, loose lips, sinks, uh, electronics, you know, just everywhere. Obey. Yeah. And uh, the uh, our com there were no computers in the building. We were hooked by landlines to the main computer system two states away in, like, South Carolina. I was in Ohio at the time. I ended up writing, like, two lines of code in six months' time because it took that long to get it all integrated into this, this thing. The uh. president of the company of the entire corporation came to visit us and do you know how he inspired and motivated his employees he made a report in your uh, permanent file if you were one minute late coming into work he was standing there making personal notes <laughs> it was a terrible place to work but I couldn't believe that there were no computer systems in the building. We had to hook to them via landline. And, of course, the landlines were down half the time. Obviously, these uh, central office switching units uh, never made a lot of ground in the United States. What kind of modem were you using? Oh. <laughs> Hayes. Well, this was the, yeah, I was going to say, this is one step up. From the acoustic ear, stick your phone. It was yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on those hundred and ten baud modems. They were probably the ninety six hundred baud <laughs> green screen VT one hundred monitors. Yep, I actually oh, had one of those monitors at home on my first computer system. Now on uh, PDP eights and Vax eleven seven eighties, there was a really cool text-based adventure game that everybody played at lunch. Yeah. It was called Quest, I believe. I didn't get to play that one. It was really cool. It was a matrix of dots, and like a D would run out, and it was a dragon, and then you would hit it with an S, which was a sword. And if you got through one layer, you could have potions, and you could have different weapons. You got down to level 26, and got the comma, you won the game. Oh, it wow. 
very yeah. hard to get down. No, I was I was before that era. I was into the Hammurabi game on in Focal on the PDP eight. Ooh, yeah, that you know, gosh, who, that who even a, remembers that, Focal? That was be, that was before the PDP nine. Correct. <laughs> We were one of the first people to get one of the VAC 11780s. We actually got a pair of those. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was, gosh, that was 1979, 80, right around that time frame. It was right around 1980, 81 when we had the VACs. And then my job was to incorporate the Apple IIe into our chemical test equipment. Oh, and God. so I went to uh, Apple headquarters, and Steve Jobs himself handed me the very first Apple IIe to leave Apple headquarters. And he said, now, Bill, Apple's going through the roof. We're going to the moon and beyond. We're going public in three months. So uh, I was going to, I told my dad, I was a starving student. I told him to invest in Apple. He's going to buy a thousand shares of Apple, like five or six dollars a share. And his stockbroker talked him out of it, saying, Apple, ah, that's a fruit company. That's not a computer company. You want to invest in controlled data. They have those big racks. Oh, let's not go there. I worked for those guys. Details of, you know, that's a computer. The things you see in the movies, you know, with the tapes and everything. Actually, the guy invested in them instead of Apple. And uh, I've calculated that if he had bought that original thousand shares when they went public in 1982, that it would have been worth about $50 million today. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I worked for Control Data for, what, about 12, 13 years during that era. And uh, the the first Die Hard movie, the computer room that gets all shot up and gets the glass in his feet. Those were control data mainframes, and you had no idea how many of us control data field engineers cheered that computer <laughs> getting shot up. <laughs> that was a freon-cooled supercomputer that they used, that they wow. shot up in that movie. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. my dad lost his money on that stock. Oh, yeah. I, I told my dad to buy every penny he could of Microsoft, and he went with International Rectifier instead. And I was too young and didn't, you know, have any money or a way to invest. If I had bought a thousand shares of Microsoft, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in Fiji somewhere. Well, uh, yeah. I, I knew Steve Jobs and Wozniak uh, years ago, but uh, it was really cool that he was able to hand me the very first Apple IIe to leave the building. We had to like sign our lives away because we couldn't divulge. The, the really incredible mods to them, which was basically 80 characters, upper and lower case, and 32 colors. <laughs> oh. I think that, I was that, using an Osborne 1. That was the, that was the big, <laughs> that was the big uh, innovation to the Apple IIe. I still have that, uh, one of that, one of the first Apple IIe's kicking around. I found it in the barn the other day. I have a computer museum in the barn, apparently. <laughs> I do, too. It's in my bedroom. It's, it, 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 I have a, what is it? Uh, I have a little small uh, 
thing that I bought when I worked at Sears, and then I bought an, uh, an Osborne one, and then I bought a Vixen, and then I bought a, what was it, a small IBM that uh, had, oh, it was a small hard drive. <laughs> 5300, that was a green screen. Uh, yeah, it did have a, it did have a green screen. Yeah, and uh, I had a, a a pet, a Kim one. Those are little tiny microcontroller one uh, units. The Sinclair ZX80, ZX81, and the Spectrum. What Those was the, what was the cow? What was the one with the the the, the cow? Um, it had dots like a cow. Uh, I, I can't remember. I bought one Dell. of those. That was a Dell, the original Dell. No, Gateway. 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 It was Gateway. I, I bought one of the. I bought a 486 66DX2. And let me tell you, I I said to myself, wow. And that's what I put my 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 packet system on. And I says, wow, this is this is going to work. I mean, I had five five ports. You know, one HF, and there was two. Um, two VHF, two UHF, and one two twenty. And uh, I said to myself, "Gee, you know, everybody and their brother is going to be on here." I had like almost 800, 800 subscribers. I'm saying to myself, "Where did it come from?" <laughs> yeah. And then the internet raised its ugly head. That was the worst thing. I remember when, you know, you first got the, uh, it was before, you had Prodigy. And right. AOL, yeah, and they were, before that. They were doing their dial-up stuff, and you were like, what is, and they, I remember when they switched Prodigy, and they first started offering internet, and I'm like, what on God's green earth is this internet stuff? And why do I need this browser, or whatever it was called back then? And I... I couldn't grasp that concept way back then. That was early '90s, I think. I uh, I was a early advocate of AOL because they kept sending me free discs. Oh yeah. I, I still have an AOL account. <laughs> There's they still exist. Do, do you have to pay every month? No. They have no. a lot of ads. They have a lot of ads now. Oh yeah, there was another thing. What was it? Uh, 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 oh God, what was it? We something. Had CompuServe. Also no, no, it wasn't CompuServe. It was um, some kind of a a, a, a sweep. Uh, no, uh, it was this thing that had all these ads. And this kid went and put it on a three eighty six. And I said to him, I said, "You're gonna you're gonna hate yourself. You're gonna have to reconfigure your hard drive after putting that on because he bring it up." And he says, well, I got messages. I says, oh, yeah, but I says, look at all the stuff I says on the screen. I says, other than the messages. <laughs> yeah. I'm having fun with, I'm having fun, uh, with this uh, little guy. It's, uh, it's powered by the USB cable, actually. And, and how many of those did you buy? I bought six of them. Sex. Yeah. Uh oh. But here uh, comes Brett. <laughs> but you program it in basic, so I'm uh, reliving okay. my old uh, my old days uh, 
Yeah, I'm surprised they went with basic for that and not Python or something like that. He created his own uh, basic program to run uh, on the STM32. I have to say I would have gone Python instead, but to each their own. Well, there are still people out there that are still computer illiterate. You know, I mean, hey, I have got millions of line of code in basic out there somewhere. You know, I've written something in every language there's there is out there probably other than I never wrote RPG and I never wrote COBOL. I've written, I've written uh, fourth. Ever, ever done anything yep, in fourth? Did, did some fourth. And Lisp? Saw Lisp, didn't do anything with it. If you that was the first one, AI stuff. If you missed one paren, you were totally messed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a terrible language for that. But Lisp was touted as, you know, the AI of the future. Right. You know, that was the foundation for the, the AI stuff. I actually like Fourth. Fourth was pretty cool. Fourth was pretty cool, yeah. I forget what I did in Fourth, but I remember doing a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brad. Um, oh, I remember. I had the Exodus Sorcerer and Z80, and there was a lot of folks doing Fourth on the Z80 back then. They had a Z80, or maybe it was a Z8, that had a basic embedded in it. Yeah, the Z8 had basic embedded in it. I got one of those, and I was going to build a repeater controller with it. Got it about half-coded and never finished that project. You gave up. (laughs) No, it was, I kind of changed jobs, and Control Data decided to uh, bite the dust around that same time frame, so that whole project concept and team and group of hams got sent all over the country now i i like the uh, parallax uh, the the uh propeller Did yeah you ever play with one of those no um i i went straight into the arduino i jumped out of it for a number of years and you know, the got back in it was straight they the had, had a rotating cog that would go to different peripheral modules and it would rotate around and share resources in that matter it was kind of interesting yeah that is interesting of course we all started out with basic stamps yeah and see the arduino was actually created to replace those Mm -hmm. in the italian uh, college there in evrea because to them the parallax and the stamp were too expensive for education I used to program the 8051 and oh, built in EEPROM and you had to erase it with an ultraviolet light again and again if you made one mistake in your code. Yep. Yeah, I used the, I've used the 8051 before. I was I was doing a lot with what was it the 1702 or 8702 EEPROM, same thing, 1702 I think. Oh yeah. Way I had a, way, I had way a back stack when. of those. You know that they would do funny things with the uh, the dyes on those. Though, if you put that under a microscope, you could see all kind of artwork on the etchings on the the, the chip in the window. A friend of mine uh, did the uh, chip layout on the uh, Pentium three processor. 
Ah. They had these huge uh, monitors, and they could lay out each logic gate in the silicon. Oh, uh, wow. And uh, one of his co-workers uh, put uh, uh, a working gate that said uh, it was a derogatory comment against Bill Gates. <laughs> Well, this and was about the era with an electron microscope. This was about the era where you said 640k of RAM is more than you'll ever need. I think that's why they did that. But anyways, yeah. uh, uh, it actually ended up in the Pentium three uh, chip die. <laughs> <laughs> and if you break one apart and magnify it enough, mm. you'll see you'll see the the comment in there. Well, you know, the thing that got me was the. Uh, what was it, the original 8086 uh, and 8088? The 8088 had an 8-bit external bus, but they called it a 16-bit processor. And that's another one of those Bill Gates-isms that came out that he said, I didn't know it was a 16-bit processor until they told me it was. Because <laughs> it was an 8-bit bus, you know, doing multiple bite right. grabs to make the 16 bits and the 8088 <clears throat> was the true 8 bit then they moved it up to 16 i think with the 8086 all right guys let me ask you a question has anybody here bought any batteries from china lately i saw that what was it china batteries from china i don't know if you can see this let me see uh let me see if i can frame it better you know, we um, there, yeah, this guy got a battery from China, and of course it didn't live up to specs. And for whatever reason, he opened it up, and inside was a tiny battery in that form factor. So they they literally, you know, charged him for the full size battery capacity and gave him like a D cell. It's like inside. a seven amp hour battery in there, and it's yeah, concrete little, concrete poured on both sides. To give oh. it the weight. Wow. I don't know if you can. But he's got one of those little <clears throat> seven amp hour, you know, uh. you know, UB7s or whatever those are. They've been That's doing a... that with lithium batteries. Neat trick. Yeah. Well, that's uh, interesting there. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Yes, yeah, don't buy a lithium battery on AliExpress because people are doing that there. Well, you know, that, that would answer some questions that I've had because I've had issues with some of the the little 5-amp-hour square gel cells, and they didn't last long at all. And I finally said, the heck with this, and I actually went to Home Depot and bought one. And it's 10 times better performance right out of the box. And I'm like, yeah. I should have kept that one and opened it up to see if it, you know, had, you know, tiny little cells inside it. That was the first time I'd ever heard about that, you know, and to think they actually put concrete in it to give it the extra weight so it felt right. Mm -hmm. I would rather use a car battery. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was, that, you got to give them a, an E for effort on that one. 
That's what we refurbish no. UPSs, but the uh, the batteries we buy are mostly from American companies. On um, oddly enough, on eBay is a great place to buy batteries. Where I get all my my parts and components is is eBay. I actually made an order with DigiKey the other day, though, for the first time in several years. But predominantly, I'll use eBay for all of my parts, and I. Generally, I've had very good luck. I can only think of maybe one or two times that I've had issues. Now, I've been buying antennas on eBay lately for wireless internet, and it's been good. Get a lot of good deals. Mm -hmm. Just got to be a little extra careful. But... Uh... You know, with, with Radio Shack gone, I mean, I used I used to live in Radio Shack. You know, just about every other day, I'd be in Radio Shack going back to that big, tall parts cabinet they had in the back of the, the store what was there. Really, what was really fun is to find an independent Radio Shack, uh, one of the franchised ones that were a mom-and-pop Radio Shack, and they would have all the stuff that was discontinued in them. Yes. And that was great. And there was an electronic store here in Huntsville called W&W. And when you step behind their counter, they had a whole rack of gym packs. Gym packs. And those are where they had the little microcontrollers or the little... Oh, yeah. Little chip sets all packaged up in that yellow Jameco package. And these were like from the 70s and 80s. It was like yes. going back in time. Yeah, there was a guy uh, on my one of my Facebook feeds that he is selling, I guess it's his dad's uh, old stock. And I mean, it looked like hundreds of 7,400 mm -hmm. and 4,000 series PTL and CMOS chips and it, you know, it was so so sad because people like me and others were commenting on it because he's sitting there thinking he's sitting on a ton of money. And we're like, we hate to tell you this guy, you know, pennies. There you go, Tom. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Looks like you got a whole bag of them. Well, that's one bag of them. <laughs> you don't know what's in that closet over there, I'm telling yeah, you. Uh, I, I looked in there and I said to myself, oh, my God. <laughs> no, that closet's like the TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside. Mm, right. <laughs> is, uh, is it like Fibber McGee's closet? It is. It is a. It's amazing closet. There's stuff Tom, in there. Tom, are you waiting for the price of gym packs to go up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could probably take those to date with me, sell them for a penny a piece or something, you know? Or dime at least. Yeah, get some know. money out of them. But the funny, the funny thing is, I guarantee you, there will be somebody at Dayton selling just that exact thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that flea market, you find anything. Yeah, and you go back the next year, and you'll find the exact same stuff on somebody else's table. There you go. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. In fact, in fact, in fact, you're gonna see this stuff right here. Yeah. It just moves from table it to just table moves from every table year. To table, but that's yeah, the good stuff. I might even buy some of that and get it back. You know, I think that was us in 1981. Here, I think, I think it was 81. But um, 
Well, I don't I know, had a, man. I had a friend that would take his van there on the last day of the hamvention, and oh, everybody man. would leave big piles of boat anchors that oh, they didn't want to carry, and he'd load up his van, and that was his uh, ham fest stock for the rest you, of the year. I, I think I, we're going to probably drive, head back Sunday morning. We're not going to stay there Sunday, but... Boy, I wish I'd be be there Sunday with closing. I'd go and hit all the dumpsters, man. I'd get. I, I've got a truck now. I'd have so much good stuff to bring back out of those dumpsters. Mm. Oh yeah, that's what he would do. He'd he'd sell it at all the other ham fests throughout the year afterwards. Then he'd oh, get yeah. he'd resupply at the end of the hamvention. You know, I, I just I was in my attic yesterday, and I brought down a couple things I'm going to take and just. If I don't sell it, I'm going to give it away. I got a five inch Ico oscilloscope. Ico, that takes me back. Yeah, Ico yeah. oscilloscope, five inch. I picked it up by the handle, and the handle was rotten. The handle come off of it. You know, so, so whoever gets it is going to get it without a handle. Okay, or they can, they can put a new handle on it, you know, but it, it works. There you well, go. What else you got? There's we Rodan. Yeah, what, what else Dan am I taking? is going to a show in June. First cat show in two years. So what else are you going to bring uh, with you, Tom? Uh, you might be able to sell it right here. Oh, I don't know. I, hey, I got a drone in here, about an 80 or $90 drone I bought several years ago. I never have turned it on and hooked it up or nothing. I'm gonna let it go. Fifteen bucks, man, or something like that. I, I got in, one that I won at Free Fest, and it is still yeah, in the box. Yeah, I just I'm just gonna take it up there and get it out of my out of my way here. It's been sitting here in the styrofoam box that came in for a couple years. I keep saying I'm gonna take this one out and fly it at some point. Haven't made it yet. Oh man, here, here's a here's a device. Here's something here. Now I don't know if anybody buy these. I'll probably give them away up here. But here we go. Here we go. Anybody know what that is? That's heavy. Can't see it. <laughs> They're heavy. There you Telephone go. Telephone battery packs. There you go. They used to show those on Miami Vice. This, oh. is, a, this is the cute little thing that I bought for $39. T206. These are, uh, you know, there, there's eight, there's eight T252s here. If anybody, yeah, if anybody wants them, to... I'll probably sell them for the whole bag for, uh, I don't know. There's, there's actually there's ten of them here. I probably go for eight bucks. I was gonna say I'm gonna have to wind them though, so I'll have to pass. Probably let them go for eight bucks, man. Hey, then and then you can then case them in that liquid glass. And yeah. hey, and if nobody wants to buy them, I'll probably if nobody wants to buy them, I'm gonna throw them in a the trash can. Now let me tell you, um, at Dayton, I back at Hera, I bought one of those little inch and a half square drones that anytime that thing would anytime i would start the blades on that it didn't matter what room the demons were in they would come running because they loved to swat that thing out of the sky yeah same thing but it was this was only about this square <coughs> mm -hmm. and oh 
you fire the engines up and they will come running to come get it. That was that was their bird. Their bird, not yours. Their bird. Uh, their bird. So hey, a couple I, I other a couple other things them. I'd like to get rid of, and they're not on my shelf here. You see in my picture, my back behind me here, right, right there. There's yeah. a that's a military that's a signal generator. It goes up to UHF, and that is a that's actually a Motorola signal generator. There, I'd get rid of both of them for almost nothing. Uh, because I've got modern stuff here with spectrum analyzer and scopes and stuff like that. But uh, the problem with those things are they weigh about 40 pounds apiece. Yeah. So no, I, I'm, I'm not going to take like them you. up I'm here. I'm not going to have a lot of stuff out on the table. I'll have two or three things out, and that's going to be it. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy just going all over the place to even sit at a table and, and bring anything to Dayton and Huntsville. Well, I thought you were going to buy something at Dayton, and you were going to have Tom bring it back. You'll have to make sure you uh, get it to him Saturday night before he takes off, you know. Well, he's not. He's. I'm not buying the big stuff and expecting Tom to bring it home, because he's already said he's taking 40% or whatever. No, I'm only going to take 10%. <laughs> Such oh. a deal. Yeah. I'm getting the family discount. He only takes 10%. <laughs> That's true. Nope. I'm, if, if anything, I'll have it shipped to me. Um, if, if, the, if the postal service is there, I'll pay them to ship it. I guarantee you they'll be cheaper than Tom's 10%. Um, just take 10% of the uh, aircraft shipping charge, and you would probably make out pretty good. Yeah, he'd yeah. make pretty good. Yeah. But I really, most of the stuff I'm buying would be like from Gigaparts or something like that, and have it drop shipped to me. Well, they um, just, you could go, you could drive over there. Yeah, well, but then I would have to pay tax. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's tax, there's tax in Mississippi. I didn't know that. Oh shoot! Yeah. Well, no. The the thing well, is, there's internet tax, but somehow. Gigaparts has a deal that if I were to order it, I don't have to pay tax coming from Huntsville. Yeah, Huntsville's well, in Alabama. DX engineering, you don't pay at all as long as it's over a hundred bucks. I mean, but you know. Mississippi instituted a law two or three years ago that anything you buy on the internet's taxable, and they're getting snitty about it. Hey, you know, one of the things we might try to get, we may try to take the, uh, uh, we may we may try to take the. Uh, shirts up there the Huey Dewey and Louie shirts that that would be cool you know we've got the Huey Dewey and Louie uh, uh, swag shirts here you can get yeah I'll get me I'll get one you know they're uh, they, these are high, these are good quality shirts guys you know uh, we're gonna be selling only $99 a piece well no wait a minute <laughs> limited there's gonna be a limited edition uh, I'll pay the ninety-nine bucks, but Huey, Dewey, and Louie better sign them. Uh, I can arrange that. <laughs> I can arrange that. I'd like to see a handbot shirt. You want to see yeah. a handbot shirt? Well, you know what? We could have a handbot. That that would be a nice shirt.
That would be a really good shirt. Yeah, that would be to walk around the, uh, the, the flea markets and whatever. Yeah, we're going to miss him this year. Yeah. So, so, so he's going to be, what, vacationing in Tahiti or something this year, Tom? Who's that? Hambot. No? Well, I don't know. Uh, he'll be at he'll be Huntsville. Uh, but at I, I Dayton, though, you know, he's, uh, if you're not streaming at Dayton, he's no need to have him around. Yeah. You know, this will be yeah. the first year that I uh, haven't had uh, astronaut Wheelock uh, join us. He's, he's been with us the last eight years that we've got come up there. Yeah. But, you know, since I'm not going to be tied down to the booth, I, I felt, felt it was best to not have him come down. Uh, plus, the guy, he's a busy guy. He, 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 I think a lot of times he really went out of the way to, you know, meet with us and be there when he could have been doing other things. I, I, I'm going to see if he'll come to Huntsville. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, Huntsville has NASA there, a NASA affiliate anyway, so he could maybe make up some kind of business trip down there. And also there Redstone, Redstone Arsenal. Uh, is where he learned to fly his uh, Apache, I think it was Apache helicopters there. So, yeah. uh, you know, he it would be stuff for him to do there if he wants to come down. Yeah. For years, places like the Arsenal and whatnot would feed the Huntsville Ham Fest with all of their surplus stuff. I mean, Huntsville was the place to go for computer surplus back in the day. All right. Now, let me, let me just, I think this is the way it's going to be again this year. You have to buy tickets. Oh, by the way, I've got, I've got one extra flea market ticket, not a flea market. Yeah. One extra vendor ticket that I got to pick up when I get there. I don't know who I'm going to give it to or sell it to or whatever, but, uh, you know, I've got one ticket I'm going to get rid of uh, after I get there. Uh, we get three tickets with our space. Uh, only two of us going up there. Uh, so we'll do that. Um, uh, let's see. What else was I going to mention? Oh, I know what I was going to mention. Um, you know, Sunday last year, and I think the year before, Sunday was free. Any of the public, yeah. any of the public could come to the Hamfest on Sunday for free. And I think that drives the numbers up. Of course, when you come in on Sunday, they give you a free ticket, and they give you that ticket and that helps them take keep count of how many people yeah, actually come in. Track, but I, I think, think they said I think they the said thirty seven thousand last last time. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's great because it, it gets the general public involved and out there, and you know get a lot of new hams out of it. So I think that's a great move on their part. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would uh, that that might bring a lot of new people in. You know. Hey, I'm testing uh, this new tracker on 10 meters right now. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing Australia coming in on Whisper on 10 meters. 10 meters is open to Australia. Oh, I, I, it's heaven. been open. That that in six meters has been open nearly every night here. I mean, it, it's getting it's hot. 10 o'clock at night, and then it's yeah. wide open. Yeah, it's starting <laughs> to get hot. That, that's That's pretty impressive. Well, there's supposed to be a solar flare tonight, tomorrow, or whatever. So that should really wipe things out. Well, guys, we uh, we just finished our two-hour slot on WBCQ radio station. 
Uh, actually, uh, we're probably off the air now, so nobody's hearing me. But thanks for uh, joining us. If you uh, if you're still hearing us, if they haven't cut us off yet, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Hey, I want to thank everybody out in the chat room too for sticking with us tonight. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you, we got a lot of loyal people there, and I saw one of my old friends, uh, uh, Jeff uh, N3VE. He's still in the chat room unless he's gone to sleep. Uh, uh, Jeff, are you going to be at Dayton, and will I see you again at Dayton this year? And uh, I think he said yes. Did he, did yes. he say yes? He's, okay. he's going. Okay, he asked good. me, and I said no. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff's a friend of mine. Uh, actually, he's, he owns a lot of flex equipment, and I'm in his will. And I just checked when I saw him log in tonight. I'm still in the will for his flex equipment, so uh, he's still a good friend. Uh, if anybody else out there wants to put me in your will, um, Please feel free to uh, to do it. I don't want junk. I want some good stuff. Am I am I in your will for your boat anchors? You're you're in a will for the boat anchors, but you're gonna have to bring a trailer to get them. You know, it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really want to be in my will because you're gonna get all late model stuff and a, a pile of Arduino parts. All right. Well, there's our friend Mark, uh, K8HIW. Uh, He's got some flea market spaces this year. Mark, uh, finally, after many years of seeing us at, at Dayton up there, he finally got his license about three or four years ago. And uh, actually, I delivered a radio. He bought a radio from a friend here, and I, I built him an antenna and took it up there. I don't know that he's ever got is on. Is he on the contact. air? I asked him if he was on the air. Ask him if he's on the air, Tom. All right, Mark. Tell us, <laughs> Mark. You, well, I think his antennas are down again. I don't know what's wrong going on up here. I guess I'm gonna have to try to, you know, persuade him to get a little bit more active next week when we're up there. Yeah, my poor cobweb is all but torn up. The uh, the ice storm pretty well took down a couple of the elements, and I haven't had a chance to replace them yet. Yeah, but uh, yes, yeah, so I'm. I'm for all intents, the cobweb is off the air. That doesn't excuse me because I still have the beam up. But yeah, the cobwebs, my, you know, antenna. I really enjoy playing with. Well, look at there. Mark says the antenna is up, but the coax isn't inside yet. That might only take another year to get the coax yeah, inside. Yeah, just at least a but, year. Yeah. Take him over there by uh, to, what is it? HRO. Tell him to get one of those. Things there that's got the uh, SO two thirty eight on it on either side, and you slip it under the window so you don't yeah, have to bore MFJ a hole MFJ has those. MFJ yeah. sells those. Yeah, but if he's going to be at Dayton, you know, he could kind of either walk over to MFJ or you know one of the HRO or one of the other folks and just get one while he's there, and that'll save him a whole year. Yeah. It is not hard to find RG58 or 8X. There will be spool after spool after spool of 8X at Dayton. Yeah, go out in the yeah, flea yeah. market. And, and you don't want to use RG58. You want the 8X. But there will be spool after spool of it there at Dayton, have no doubt. Hey, hey, don't tell him not to use the RG58. If he wants to use RG58, he'll get on the air, and he'll make plenty of contacts with it. Yep. Well, I know. I did back in the yeah. day, but... Yeah, we didn't have 8X back when we were growing up. No, 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 we would drool over the guy that had the RG8. 
Yeah, I had a, I got a lot of, you know, all the stuff I would get back then would be uh, used. Yeah, I bet you, in fact, I still have some of that coax. I bet you, I don't know when they started making coax. I may have some coax up there in the attic that's 100 years old. I mean, yeah. you know, when I, I got it back say, in the early, some, uh, when I got it, what, what was that, Bill? 55-year-old coax, I'll, I'll make a deal on you. If what? If I've got some? I've got some 55-year-old coax. Oh. You know, hey, when I get, I got coax in 1964, I'm sure it was World War II era coax, so that'd been the 40s, and we're already in 2022. So I bet you I'm getting some stuff close to uh, to 100 years old here. Now, if somebody can tell me, maybe look it up. Let's see if anybody can look it up real quick. When was coax invented? When when did the first coax come out? Oh, that's a good one. RG62. That is, uh, I think that's 93 ohm, if I'm not mistaken. RG62, used in computer runs. RG62 will work, man. You know? Hey, uh, RG, what, RG59, the 70 ohm stuff, it'll work fine. Just use it. Don't worry about it, man. Hey, back when I got on, we didn't even have SWR meters. Who cared what the SWR was? We got on and we talked to anybody we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, we just tuned the rib, right. rigs until the tubes stopped all right, going. All right, Mike, uh, Mark says 1928 for coax, so we've got about six more years, and I, I probably have some 100-year-old coax up in the attic here. Yep. I've got so much coax, you know, and I've bought new stuff, you know, over the years. I mean, when you get older and you retire, you can afford stuff like that. When you're 16 years old and trying to build a station, you scrounge stuff, and but the fun thing about ham radio is we always scrounge stuff. Everybody was willing yeah. to, to give we you something. Man. You need some coaxers, take then. this. You need some connectors, take these, you know. You need some tubes, take them, in, you know. Yeah, well, like we're talking, you know, you load up an El Camino and call it good. You know, load up the rain gutters and call it good. You know, it worked. My friend, you know, I had a okay, friend. it wasn't the absolute best, but it worked, and we made contacts and had fun. Yeah. I had a friend that uh, lived up in Osceola, Arkansas. It was 13 miles from my hometown. I was 16 years old. He's the one who gave me my novice test. And uh, it was interesting the way he gave me my novice test. He gave me a QST magazine. And he told me, he said, uh, he says, well, I'm getting ready here. He said, read this article right here. Okay, I don't know. Why. Read this article. Well, then we got to the, we got to the uh, code test, and I didn't realize it. Because I didn't read the article, I think he sent the article to me. You know, I, yep. you know, I wasn't dumb. I was, I was too dumb to read the article, but I passed the test. You know, anyway, I'm sure he was trying to help me out. You know, and I mean, hey, but uh, I, I went up to. He was the general manager of the local radio stations, and uh, I went up to him one day. And I was probably 17 years old. And I said, "Man, I want to build an amplifier. Uh, can you? You got any amplifier tubes?" And he pulled out and brought me two brand new in the box 4-250As and gave them to me. Oh man, I never used them in an amp, but uh, I had those tubes for a long time. Oh yeah, I mean that was you know that that was treasure back then. I still yeah, have some. I still have some uh, RG two fourteen silver plated coax yeah. that I'm oh, trying to figure out yeah. what to do with. Yeah. Super, super expensive. Super good stuff. Well, kind of like Tom, I bit the bullet here. Oh, maybe ten years ago or less, 
and I bought two 500-foot spools of LMR 400, and I re-ran every one of my antenna runs, all seven, eight of them, into LMR 400, even for HF. And so everything I've got on the roof is now that stuff. And uh, it made a difference, you know, coming from the RG8X. It, it did definitely make make a difference, but that was a lot of work putting ends on those things. Because the LMR 400 is just a hair big for the SO239 and the PL259 connectors. I put them on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you'll never play the piano again. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, DX Engineering has a really cool wrench that you can use to get the PL259s onto the cable. And I bought one of those right yes. away as soon as I saw it. It really helps. Now, we had pliers back then. We didn't have this really cool wrench and strippers that, that they've got at DX Engineering. Because I got a set of those, too, now. <laughs> hey, I got, I got 100 feet of three-quarter inch hard line out in my building i need to uh -uh. i need to throw away throw away or get rid of i mean uh -uh. It, it's it's 70 it's 72 ohm but but guys it'll work fine but you know I what you know what i the, the cable people were out here one day uh actually actually astronaut wheelock was with me here uh, a couple of years ago we were sitting in the back porch there and we saw a tree fall across uh across the power lines behind my house and it broke the cable or stretched the cable and uh, it broke the power line. And But anyway, so later the, the uh, cable company comes out. And on the truck, they got this big, you know, eight-foot spool, wooden spool of, uh, you know, this hard line. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, they're all the time repairing this. They probably got some partial pieces or something. I said, hey, guys, do you got any uh, any uh, hard line, you know, you can get rid of uh, out there? I said, I'd like to have some. They said, sure, you know, how much you need? And I says, they said, is 100 foot okay? So I went out there and they rolled a hundred foot brand new off the spool and cut it and rolled it up and gave it to me. I've never used it, so I need to do something with it. A I've, friend of I've mine heard. in a friend of mine in Ohio made balins that would slide over the end of that to adapt it to fifty ohms, and they work great. It just it just slid right over the end of the car. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And um, anyways, I I have a few of those. Uh, left over when I cleaned out my barn. So. Well, maybe I need to give you this uh, this cable. They were so designed you, for that cable hard line. Maybe I need to give you this hard line so you can put it with those uh, those balance you got. Hey, guys, it's getting late. I think we need to shut the show down. And, uh, okay, W4BWW says, I need it for a repeater. Hey, it worked fine for a repeater. Hey, your SWR is going to be about 1.4 with it. You know, what's wrong with that? You, you know, you can use it. All right. All right. How do you attach to the aluminum shield? Hey, you know, I actually took took the end of that, and I kind of whittled back the uh, center conductor, the uh, the foam around it. I whittled it back where it'll slide inside a uh, PL259 and go right into the, the prong there in a PL259. Now, how do you how do you fasten the shield to this PL259? Uh, I haven't done it, but I would probably say i'd probably wrap that with some copper and put some uh, hose clamps around it to uh, to clamp it i think you could get it good enough uh, i think the balin i had uh, it was a very tight fit it was made out of brass yeah and it 
uh, slid right over and made contact with the aluminum. And I believe they did may may have had a hose clamp on it. Yeah, I'd, hey. I'd use a clamp, but I'd also use the I'd also use the paste that they used for aluminum electrical wire to make sure that you didn't uh, get dissimilar metals and a problem with the contact. Right. Yeah. Uh, someone's asking, are we going to have roundtable next week? Yeah, you know, that'll be the night before I'm anxious to jump out of here and go. Uh, but I'm going to have all morning to load up the next morning. So we will have a show next week. Uh, I think I have some people from the Mississippi Civil Air Patrol. They're going to be on next week uh, to, to talk a little about the Civil Air Patrol. They, ca- they called me, Bill, about... Uh, uh, they're they're in a balloon a, a nationwide balloon challenge, but it's for experiments, and I don't know of any experiments they could do. But uh, they're what, what they're nation, not. Oh, the uh, the space balloon challenge. Yeah, yeah, you know they're not. They're the balloons are all going to be launched. I think up north somewhere, Illinois or Wisconsin or somewhere. But uh, all the CAPs uh, have this little bottle. It's so many you know millimeters in size you got to make up up to seven to nine experiments and send them in uh and uh to go on a balloon ride so that's what you know i i don't have any experiment to help them with to tell you the truth well, well send me some information uh, yeah. on messenger on that and okay maybe i can help them out you can't put any live well, some of the rules are you can't put any live crickets or roaches in it you know nothing like that we flew crickets. They I know. Survived. You can't do that. You can't do that here. They don't want roaches. Would probably survive too. Yeah, probably. Probably would. I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll hook you up with a guy down in Mississippi. Okay. They're gonna be on a show next week, by the way, and probably talk a little about it. We will have a show next week. We won't have a whole lot of stuff going on next week. Uh, we're just gonna be pumped up and talk about how exciting it will be to head up to Dayton the next day and. Um, we we'll have 25 minutes for your talk and basically talk about your latex balloon flight and talk about the Pico around the world flights uh, and uh, the trackers that you use and how you can figure Yeah, and I think I'll, I think I'll show, I think that other video I've got is about five or six minutes on the, the HAB, the high-altitude balloon. The, the, and I'm just going to say, hey, this is a different type of flight, guys. But you know, some people are doing this. Bill, of course, you're the expert. You've got thousands of these flights. But I want to show them. I said, you know, hey, you're going to see in this picture here, everything went perfect. It was up three hours. We knew exactly where it's going. We were down here waiting on it when it got there. Uh, Bill was helping us, and he was on the phone every five minutes telling us where it was going to be, and 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 it just worked perfect, and it worked so perfect. That I would never try another one. Let me tell you, that was a, that was an exciting you would adventure. Never have it go as good as that one. That did. was an exciting adventure that day. But uh, the next one will not go perfect, and I guarantee you, you'll have a spot me and a tracker and a battery system and three cameras lost in a swamp somewhere. But uh, it it was fun, and uh, you know it'd be kind of exciting to end end the uh, presentation with, and uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll show that too. Um, so I, I landed one in a swamp in South Carolina, and I was about to head in there after it. And the guy says, "You know, now I think about that. Yeah. There's a lot of alligators in there." 
I tell you, man. There's <laughs> hey, Dan, Dan, hey, not far, not far down in Mississippi. There's some swamps with cypress trees and stuff growing in it. I mean, it's water. I don't even think you could hardly get a boat through it. I, I don't even know how you get to it, stuff, man. If you went down out there, I decided to let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that uh, that uh, uh, zero pressure that we launched that James Lee found mm-hmm. for us. It went down in Georgia or North Carolina. It's hanging yeah. in a tree right now. We know where it is. It's over alligator-infested, snake-infested waters, and uh, we just decided to leave it there. Yeah. Right. Well, See, I, I got this board doing uh, uh, Whisper and JT9 now. That's good. Just a very simple, just a very simple basic. I'm bringing back my old days of writing in basic. Okay. It the hardest part is getting the terminal program to work with it. You have to use putty. Yeah. All the other ones don't format it correctly. But once you install putty and uh, and get that set up, uh, it's relatively straightforward. Um, seems to be working okay. But oh. it's going to be just like your ICT tracker. There's no room for super caps. There's no room for uh, GPS antenna or uh, mounting solar panels. Yeah. You yeah. just have to mount it the way you do on a piece of foam. Yep. Kind of like. That's how, well, you can see it there. Yeah. It's kinda it doesn't have to be done that same kind of way. i tell you, I have found star foam about the lightest thing that humans make. I don't even know if NASA has anything lighter than styrofoam. Aerogel? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Man. Probably can't afford it. Okay, guys, Watch i got to get off here. We're going to close this thing down. Thanks, everybody. Uh, uh, say 73 to everybody, and uh, we uh glad to have you tonight. We'll see you next week. Thanks for sticking with us for the after the show show. We had a good time tonight. 73, everybody in the chat room. We'll see you. Seven three.